The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me via social distancing is none other than Pronto Comics, Dominic Definition Man's Verano. This is like deja vu all over again. <laughs> we have our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Yeah, sure. We have none other than the life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Feldy. Hello, thank you for having me. Someone's chopping wood, it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's a crazy it's a crazy show so far. <laughs> you went from living in the inner city to the mountains. How did you do that so quickly, Mark? Uh, all right. So on this week's show, we're going to have our very own Ponto Comics Dominic Definition Man Serrano do a comic pick of the week. We're going to have another Jaybird and Lee segment, and we're going to have, if we have time permitting, which most likely we probably will, have a mini movie review. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. <laughs> Then he should front you in part. Yes. I bet you have just one sad news today. <laughs> really? I think so. I don't know. The whole thing is sad news. The fine folk of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of pop cultureness and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, provided that the world is back to normal, will be on March May 1st and May 2nd of 2021. All right. Does anyone want to take over under bets that this actually happens? Not even the yeah, I'm going to say, say April. Nothing till April. I, right. I don't, you know, they're saying like September of 2021 will be back to normal. That's, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of that. But uh, yeah. they, keep, also, they keep pushing back the deadline just like it was supposed to be only two weeks to stop the spread. And here we are. Yes. Yeah. Um, also want to give out a shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church in Long Island. Uh, let's take it away with the news. Coronavirus don't care if you're in a church, man. We, that's true. We have uh, one bit of sad news, so let's start off with the sad news. Finally. Actress, Dame, finally the sad news. Just finally, we're moving on to the news. <laughs> Actress Dame Ed- Enid Diana Elizabeth Rigg, better known as just Diana Rigg, died recently from cancer. Uh, Diana appeared in such films as <clears throat> On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Julius Caesar, Theater of Blood, The Great Muppet Caper, I love that movie, uh, Good Man in Africa, Heidi, The Painted Veil, and Last Night in Soho, just to name a few. On the small screen, Diana appeared in such shows slash made-for-TV movies as The Sentimental Agent, The Avengers, Diana, Three Piece Suite, The Marquise, Witness for the Persecution, uh, Prosecution, that's a different movie, uh, The Worst Witch, Mother Love, Miss Aris, Goes to Paris, Zoya, The Haunting of Helen Walker, Rebecca, The Miss Bradley Mysteries, Victoria and Albert, Charles Part 2, The Power and the Passion, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, You, Me, and the Apocalypse, Victoria and All the Creatures Great and Small, just to name a few. Wait, did you mention the Avengers? Yes. Yeah, he, okay. he just like... 
skimmed right over that, which is the biggest thing yeah. she's ever done. Well, that's why, because our senior correspondent, Charlie Salvino, was there while that was going on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences with Diana Rigg and the Avengers, the other Avengers? Well, the, the, <laughs> the Avengers, uh, when I was, uh, when I was uh, young. You were the junior correspondent? A B I was a junior correspondent. ABC, actually, the Avengers was so good and so popular that before television was bringing over British shows, ABC brought, brought it over to America, and it, it became a huge hit here. And, of course, it was uh, with Patrick McNee and Diana Rigg, and it was just um, a tremendous hit. And... Uh, but there is a whole, whole history of the Avengers before that happened. It was a live radio show, a live TV show. And uh, Patrick McNee started out as a doctor sidekick to the detective. And there wasn't any women on there. And actually, um, before Diana Rigg, Diana Rigg um, it was uh, Anna Blackman. And uh, everybody, everybody knows Diana Rigg because when the series came to America, that's who it was. And right after Diana King, uh, Diana King, right after Diana Rigg, it was uh, Linda Dawson who played Tara King and who I had the pleasure of uh, working with at ABC. So a lot of interesting stories about Patrick McNee and the Avengers. I was in Comunicado with Patrick McNee a year before he died, and he uh, sent me a marvelous book with the history of the Avengers and uh, an autographed picture. But it was one of the biggest series on TV at the time. And, of course, it became so popular that when it went off the air, they even rebooted it with the new Avengers, which was with Joanne Lumley. And uh, I can't think of who the guy's name was because Patrick McGee was getting a little older. So they did all the uh, running around work. But it was also a good uh, show then, not as good as the original, but uh, it's a big part of our history, the Avengers. So to say, ah, oh, the Avengers and go on. I mean, she she was made by the Avengers. There was a whole fashion um, thing that was attached to her with these jumpsuits with stripes and everything. So people would say, uh, if girls wore that, people, oh, you look very Diana Rigg. You look very, you know, Mrs. Peel. You look very Emma Peel. Wow, so uh, she became a a fashion statement. Yeah, Yeah. she was a fashion statement, yes. That leather cat suit, man, that's... That sprung yeah. a lot of young men into into yeah. adulthood, adult, adulthood, <laughs> and probably spawned Lord knows how many like yeah yeah <laughs> fantasies. Uh, and besides besides the fact that she began as a model, she was so model esque and uh, you know statue esque, and uh, that she all fitted her clothes really well on that show. So yes, Dominic, you're absolutely right. A lot of people. Went, I think she got poured into it. I don't think she even sewed her. Into a it. lot of people went steady with her. Yeah, in their mind. <laughs> on yeah. the small screen. The so, one thing yeah. I can say about Diana. Yeah, Rick, there you go. Was, I was first introduced to Diana yeah, Rick when so. she would um, host Masterpiece Mystery that my parents would watch on uh, 13 and 21. 
She right. was the one who would like introduce everything. And my father and mother, but my father specifically, she said she was the only woman with an English accent that sounded good. She said all other women with English accents always sound, you know, like, like, like cockney and bad. But hers was like the most elegant English accent that he, that he ever heard. And she, she's the only Mrs. Bond. Oh, hmm. she's, the only, she's the only uh, yes, Bond girl that exactly. marries James Bond. She's... Yeah. So uh, yeah. She said, then she, she died. Said, you gotta buy the cow. She's <laughs> the only one that said you got to buy the cow. I'm not giving yeah. this milk for free. No, no. Yeah. She was so, the only one that was truly an equal to, to like the James Bond character. And of course, she gets killed off. So. Right. So she you was. Know, and a... unfortunately, unfortunately, she had to be with the worst James Bond ever on the screen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Timothy That's Dalton my is opinion. the worst. Timothy Dalton is the worst. No, no, this guy. What was his name? George, George Lazenby. Lazenby. Yeah, George Lazenby. Yeah, he was the worst. I even liked Timothy Dalton better than him. Wow. Um, so uh, she was a young, uh, a spry, eighty-two. Eighty-two. But Dominic, you're absolutely right. And the proof of that is, as we both know, Dominic and I, when she was in Game of Thrones, she mm-hmm. had that same wonderful voice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. So moving on from this is this is a big one. It's going to be a lot of me reading, but you can jump, guys, jump in whenever you want because uh, it's a, it's a lot. Um, from the we're not diverse, but we will be, department. <clears throat> oh, I'm already jumping in. <laughs> the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences announced new representation and inclusion standards for Oscars eligibility for the Best Picture category as part of its Academy Aperture 2025 initiative. The standards it's all right. Designed, I, I'm still not watching them. <laughs> the I'm definitely not watching it now. Are designed to encourage equitable representation on and off screen in order to better reflect the diversity of movie going experience. The Academy says <clears throat> the aperture must widen to reflect a diverse global population in both the creation of motion pictures and in the audiences who connect with them. The Academy is committed to playing a vital role in helping make this a reality. We believe these inclusion standards will be a catalyst for long-lasting, essential change in our industry. All right. Sounds nothing like the Academy. <laughs> See, now, I Jen, thought they, he sounded Jen exactly sounded like the Academy. Like, no, not, not all. I thought Jen he sounded, sounded exactly like the Academy. Yeah. So, uh, so starting for any film going up for Oscars in 2022, a confidential Academy inclusion standards form will be required for best picture consideration. And by 2024, all films must meet two out of four of these standards to be deemed eligible, of which they are. Here we go. All right. Let's hear it. Number they one. They must be talkies. <laughs> yeah. All right. So number one. The lead or significant supporting actors must be Asian, Hispanic, Black, Indigenous, Indigenous, Native American, Middle Eastern, Native Hawaiian, or under or other underrepresented race or ethnicity, and at least thirty percent of all actors in secondary or more minor roles, or at least of the following, will be on the same represented groups: women, racial uh, LGBTQ people with uh, physical disabilities, uh, deaf or hard of hearing, and the main storyline theme or narrative of the film is centered on underrepresented groups: women, uh, racial, ethnic group, and, and so on. That's number one. Number two, remember it's two out of they, the they only have to they do must, two out of the four. Right, and that was number one. That's number one. 
Number two is they must be talkies. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Like and already, <laughs> if you just go with this thing, most of the great films that we love and celebrate and can considered fantastic don't qualify. Well, they have three other choices, so maybe they don't do that one. We got number okay. two. Here's number two. All right, let's hear it. All right. At least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads, casting director, cinematographer, composer, costume designer, director, and so on, must be part of the women, uh, racial, racial ethnic group, LGBTQ, with at least one position belonging to a following underrepresented group, which is Asian, Hispanic, Black, uh, Native American, and so on, and at least six other team or crew members in technical positions, including production assistants, more from underrepresented race and ethnic groups, and overall crew composition must be at least 30% of the film's crew of the following underrepresented groups. Once again, women, racial, ethnic, LGBTQ, um, and so on. So that's number two. So we got one and two. It's, uh let me let me say, tell you one thing. It sounds like number two. Go ahead. <laughs> number three. <laughs> they really just don't want to be making movies anymore. I'm guessing. Number yeah. three. Yeah. So now we're now we're into. If we don't have those two, we better have these last two. So number three, the right. film's distribution or financial company has paid apprenticeships or internships that are from following underrepresented groups and satisfy the criteria below, women, blah, 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 and the film productions, distribution, or financial companies offering training and work opportunities for below-the-line skill developments to people from the following groups. Once again, women, racial groups. That's number three. Number four. <laughs> They'll do number three because you could just do a bunch of unpaid internships to, to, to satisfy that. Easily. And, and, and all you'd have them do is go get your coffee. So it's like no one's going to have anything of significance to do, but they'll satisfy number three. Number three is going to be a shoe-in for all these mm, movies. All right, number four. Right. Finally, number four. The studio and or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from among the following underrepresented groups, which must include individuals for under underrepresentation, racing, or ethnic groups as well in their marketing, publicity, and or distribution teams. <sighs> so the and, people that market and put out the movie also have to meet. Yes. Uh, okay. Number th Another, three, three and four is what you're going to see happen. They put out one and two first. So everyone is like, oh, look what Hollywood's doing. And all the movies are going to go with three and four and no one's going to care. It's once again, just some grandstanding to placate people and to get them off their back. Yeah. Well, not, not to make this about myself, which I never do. But well, you are an actress. A little bit. This does feel like a little bit of a uh, life imitates art because one of the sketches I was working on last week was about pretending to be gay because in real life I've had many people say, oh, well, you know, you're into women or you're gay and I, I just go with it. So I decided to make a sketch based on me just going with the fact that people think I'm gay because it's trendy and it makes you more appealing and it seems like, well, according to these standards, I should definitely pretend to be gay because I'll make the standards for best picture. Wait, so you think that that's what people are going to do? They're going to lie about stuff so that way they can get more jobs? I mean, that was the premise of my <laughs> comedy sketch. And I was like, actually, it is advantageous to go with it because people think you're gay. You know what? They treat me better whenever I go with it. I'll go, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just, I just kind of go along with it. I've been doing this for years. I'm just and not to, not to get special treatment, just, it's, you know, why not? I'm just curious why people <laughs> think you're gay. I think the way I dress, maybe I, the way I talk, or maybe I have some masculine traits. I'm into comedy. 
You know, um, yeah, what kind of I, people I do you hang of, out with? <laughs> all types of people. There's so many people. The last film they, I was they in, they all they all think that. The last film I was in, they were casting women. They're like, oh, well, Jen's into that, so she'll like that. And I said, yeah, sure. What? Yeah, this well, was a couple of weeks ago. Well, I never thought you were gay. Well, either way, please no... do, because I would like yeah. to win Best Picture. So that's what it's all about. <laughs> I was like taught, like, you don't know at all. Don't assume. I had no assumption of you one way or the other. Uh, look, look at Dominic taking a high road. I'm just saying, like, I really um, didn't. I know she spoke of having a boyfriend, but it, like, so, all right. So she had well, a boyfriend. I do call him my wife. I did call him my <laughs> wife before I dumped him because he but, was annoying like a wife. But also just, it's like, we're, we're work colleagues. Her personal life is of no business to me. And it, it, it's right. Ask, well, it's going to be of business yeah. very soon. Apparently, yeah. this picture. So as a, fr- as a friend of mine once said, you know, he, he got called, he was a, he's a prosecutor. And someone was saying that he was being like a bigot or something. And he said, you can't say that today. I, I identify as a Puerto Rican lesbian. <laughs> so it's like, if you keep going down that rabbit hole, it's like, well, how, how could you just say like all these people just identify as this oppressed group? By so, their logic, you have to agree with it. This reminds well, if you work me, with me, you better identify that's right. as something. So this, this reminds me of I identify as a meat popsicle. <laughs> this reminds me of it. an old... Uh, uh, old uh, beer commercial from the I think late nineties. It was the Yes I Am guy that he wanted uh, Budweiser, and he always found himself in unique situations to get the Budweiser. So he's like, "Oh, are you part of this Japanese group?" And he's like, "Yes, I yes, am." I am. <laughs> like, oh, are, you, are you here for the the women's uh, therapy class? Yes, I am. Just so he can get the beer. So now this is what mm-hmm. it reminds me of that everybody's gonna be like, "Are you are you on a represented group?" Why, yes, I am. I'm one third this, or I'm one fourth that. Yeah. Is there, is, yeah. there, is there a number five in there like nobody can be from the Weinstein School of Production? No. <laughs> I'm no. just checking out. Uh, I love okay. like how Hollywood is trying to force diversity, but then if you looked into a lot of the studios, they're not diverse. No. Mm-hmm. None of them are really diverse. And you know, the, certainly the management of the studios is not diverse. So what what are you you're trying to cram diversity down and it's like you're in doing so you're impeding people's own personal self choice <laughs> to do what they want to do and this isn't just hollywood this is in general you're trying to fill these numbers but by filling these numbers perhaps you're forcing people into things that is not exactly their what they really want to be doing with their lives like being gay it's been really tough the last few weeks <laughs> I yeah. just want to be with a guy forever. Finally, I, I know. It's, it's you're just like <laughs> forced dating women when really you just want to date a dude. Is that right to you? I don't think so. <laughs> it sounds like right. uh, sounds like a little Hollywood Russia thing, you know, like a, a, yeah. I, I don't know. It sound, you know what I'm trying to say? It sounds like mm. a lot of rules. But then yeah. here's the other thing, too. People are like, oh, this is so you can get, you know, be up for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Studios rarely make money on the movies that go for best picture. That's so true. the movie that you're going to see that's going to be the big summer blockbuster that they're banking all their money on isn't going to have to, if they don't care about it making, they just want to make money. They don't have to follow these rules. Not going to change anything. Very true. Really yeah, not going to change yeah, anything. Very, very true. Skyline sucked and it made money. <laughs> so see, there you go. All right, so moving along to the next bit of news from the, uh, speaking of changing things, from the No Parade for You department, uh, uh-huh. New, York, New York City 
uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio has officially canceled the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for this year, 2020. Yeah, they said it's a you know what? pandemic. You know what? What? New York should cancel de Blasio. <laughs> That's what they should do. I don't what? know one yeah. New Yorker who likes this guy, and yet he yeah. won re-election. Well, that's because Long Island didn't get a chance to vote for me. I'm, I, when I was working in Brooklyn, no one liked him. No one oh. still likes him. So it's like, I mean, I, but why did you vote for this guy? I know, I know a ton of people who, who refer to him as the Bozo. Much, you know? I know, like well, stringent, much, yeah. almost like card-carrying members of the Communist Party leftists, and they don't like him. Well, as someone yeah. who voted for him, um, I want to say that maybe he's saving the city money by canceling the parade because we really do need to save money and perhaps clean up the streets. So go to Blasio. I mean, the Blabio. <laughs> <laughs> much, like everything, much like everything else, the parade will be, quote unquote, reimagined as a virtual event. The mayor said. <laughs> How do you do a virtual not parade? Be... <laughs> oh, my God. The mayor Please. says. It will not be the same parade as we're used to. Macy's is reinventing the event for this moment in history, and you'll be able to feel the spirit and joy of that day. Uh, Macy's you definitely, said, you definitely don't sound like De Blasio. You sound way too masculine. <laughs> yeah, that voice. yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And Macy says. <clears throat> For more than 90 years, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade has kicked off the holiday season with its signature entertainment spectacle, making it one of the world's biggest, most beloved events. Following our successful, safe, and innovative uh, production of the Macy's 4th of July fireworks uh, show, it is our intention to similarly reimagine Macy's Thanksgiving Parade this November. Stay tuned for more details later this fall. Uh, did any of well, you guys see the 4th of July Parade online? Well, let me just say this about oh. that. No. Yeah. I I worked for Macy and I I worked I worked security for that parade for like 5 years. That's one of the best parades. If no one has ever gone to that parade, they should. Well, now they can't. But I right. mean, it was it was an amazing thing to see. You know, I always saw it on TV, but to be there was amazing. And now they just they're just screwing everything up here. Just, you know, I, I saw in the paper that they were thinking of shortening the parade route. So I guess that's not <laughs> they're happening. They're going to make now. it one block. <laughs> yeah, they're right. Gonna, yeah. They were just they're making it on They're going to keep block. all the balloons in one spot and just going to walk the, the camera past the balloon. Oh, my God. That's, that's a virtual. That's it right there. That's it right that might there. Be it. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm sure it's yeah. they were going to bring back Spider Man, too. <laughs> You know what? My favorite thing about yeah. Bill de Blasio is that Bill de Blasio, is, that's not his actual name. His real name no, is it's Warren, it's, Warren uh, Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm. Yeah, it's Wilhelm. Warren he's, Wilhelm. He's only half Italian and he's like co-opting Ita uh, like Italian ancestry. Yeah, the good uh, He's just, uh, yeah. Right. Well, for people, for people who I, blow I, out of hot air, you would think they would take advantage of this opportunity to blow some more. No? Huh. There you go. All right. So for the last bit of news, um, from the, speaking of messing up things, from the, once again, I guess my contract is also over department. In a recent interview, Daisy, actress Daisy Ridley, shed some light on the creative process that was the most recent Star Wars trilogy. When asked if she knew about her character's lineage, Daisy replied, no. At the beginning, they were toying with Obi-Wan connection, and then they were like different versions, and then they went to... Uh, what that she was no one, 
And then it came to episode nine, and JJ pitched the film and was like, oh, yeah, Palpatine's your granddaddy. And I was like, awesome. And then two weeks later, he was like, oh, we're not sure. So it kept changing. So then I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. <laughs> you know, oh, man. Um, in one of my recent picks, I, I picked uh, Star Wars, a Star yeah. Wars comic. And in doing so, I always pull some, some clips and things. And one, I was watching George Lucas talk about Disney doing Star Wars. And it's like, you couldn't, they bought this property and just messed it up so bad. It's like, you can't ha buy it from Lucas and then just tell Lucas, whatever you're thinking, whatever you think this force should be or what this should be, never mind. Because, and you could see the difference because when you watch The Mandalorian, which I know you don't, Mark, but if for the audience members, you watch The Mandalorian, Dave Filoni and George Lucas are very involved, as is, of course, Favreau. And they care. And you see that they care. And there's shots of Lucas on the set, and he's talking to people, and he's giving guidance. And The Mandalorian is so much better than, than the three Star Wars sequel movies, the sequel trilogy. Why you wouldn't have used Lucas and picked his brain Maybe, okay, you don't have him on set and you don't have him whispering to everybody, but you bring him in, he gives you some treatments, you work from the treatments, you consult him on the scripts, you get a better idea of what, where things should go. It's his baby. And you can say whatever you want about the prequel movies, but at least there was a consistency of the vision and a consistency in the story. Like this whole, like, maybe she's this, maybe she's like, they, they did make it up as they went along. And there's no excuse for that. Not when what? They used billions um, of dollars for this. They used the Indiana Jones school of uh, thought, making it up as they go along. And that's the thing. I believe that they had all the money in the world. They had every opportunity and they still messed it up. It's, it's mind boggling how it is. But I think. And supposedly they want to like <laughs> forget that and do new movies. Yes. <laughs> that, that's the rumor, right? That like, uh, those movies well, never happened. No, I, the billions I, of dollars you spent happened. Those I, things I, exist. I, I think that they just thought that it was going to be gangbusters in money no matter what kind of crap they put out. And then they realized that their mistake. Um, yeah. I, I've mentioned a way, an easy way to resolve this whole situation. If um, Carrie if Fisher was still alive. All a dream. Yeah, if, Lu if Carrie Fisher was still alive, the next movie all has over with Luke waking up like, man, I just had a crazy dream. And then we'd be fine. Like Han would be there, everybody would be there. But since Carrie right. Fisher passed away, that opportunity is gone. Um, Jennifer, I know you're not a big fan of Star Wars, but you did see the last movie, right? No, of course I didn't. Well, did you see any uh, of them? You saw one of them, right? I've, I've seen two. I've seen two. And they seem the same. They seem like the exact same movie. Uh, prequel was one of my first date, actually. It was tragic. And the other was uh, in the uh, 2015, 2014. Not All memorable. Right. All right. So, Jennifer, as, as an actress, if you're making a movie and then making up as it goes along, how does that on a set? How does that feel? Have you ever dealt with uh, that? I, I just pulled out of a movie for the first time ever because I believe that's what was happening. That's a big part of it. Uh, it was a circus. Well, you can't. You have to have a shot list. You have to have a shot list. You have to have everything figured out and predetermined. You can't make things on flow. As I was told, oh, we're just going to flow. You don't have to know your lines on set. You're just going to flow. You can't flow through a movie. Sorry. There, there's only right, one so time I've ever heard of that working. Iron Man. I know of. Uh, okay, and two times then. 
So it must have worked with Iron Man if you're saying like that's yeah, the, how they did it. The original, it. if you listen to interviews of uh, 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 Jeff Bridges, he was like, it was uh, a student film on a big budget because they kept on yeah. changing scripts and stories every single day. But you know what? Wow. That, that's the genius of John Favreau, though. John yeah. Favreau can do that. Yeah. And the only other time I've heard of it working and working out extremely well was Gladiator with Ridley Scott. And like they were rewriting things all the time. Like originally, um, uh, Russell Crowe's character was named Narcissus because it is based off of actual historical right. things that happened in Rome. And there was a gladiator named Narcissus who did, did kill Commodus. But they're like, look, you can't have a movie with a guy named Narcissus killing the, the emperor. So they made up the name of Maximus Decimus Meridius. A lot of it was like just like rewrites and changing things on the fly and everything. But again, Ridley Scott is a genius. Right. You can only pull it off if you're like a Favreau or a Ridley Scott, someone who's truly a creative genius and knows who to collaborate with when they're making it flow. And these people did not know that. So we are almost out of time for the, the news. So anybody want to have any quick uh, final thought before we take our break? Uh, I guess, Dominic, you guys go first. Uh, my uh, final thought is while you're signing up for the It Came From The Radio Patreon, please go to my Patreon as well. It's fishysarcasm.com. It's only $1 a month. I need money. I'm out of work. I, am, I have an 81-year-old father to take care of. I need cash. So please sign up $1 a month. Charles, final thought? No. <laughs> Jennifer, final thought? Um, just uh, to piggyback off the last... To piggyback off the last comment, pick your cast of characters very wisely, and then you can flow through life. And if you pick the wrong cast, you'll have a hard time being a magician and flowing through each day because each day is undetermined, but you got the right people and you're a genius. Perhaps you can make it up on the fly and make a masterpiece movie or a masterpiece of your life. I honestly so, thought Jen was going to go with the Seinfeld and say, I'm not gay, but there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, ah! yeah. So that's um, it for the news. No, I don't ah, that. Jennifer. That's it for the news. So we're going to take our break. We'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This is Gray Griffin, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. And now get ready for Joker War from DC Comics. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 2 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, Image, or Independent Comics, comic book supplies, back issues, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. Thank you and stay safe. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today we're going to talk about The 100. A TV show on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty awesome show. Is it? Was it? I wonder if it was on another uh, platform before, the, before Netflix, but... I think it was always on Netflix or, like, live TV, but otherwise I don't think anything uh yeah i gotcha i only made it through one and a half seasons i think no you got to season two episode eight my brother and i are on season four i think i don't oh. 
or five. I don't remember. We got through it fast. Well, you were <laughs> doing this all before school started, right? Yeah, so... So you slowed down a bit. Also, he doesn't want to watch it at all, so... Oh, he doesn't want to watch it anymore? No, it's annoying because I'm like, can I watch it? And he's like, no. Well, then you wait. Have to... He's like, wait for me. And I'm like, why don't you watch it? Why don't we watch it at separate paces? Yeah, that might be the next But he thing. doesn't want to do that. All right, well, we'll have to figure that part out later on. Um, yeah. Did you tell him what the Haunting Hundred's about? Um, it's basically mm-hmm. about um, a bunch of teenagers who are like, I guess, rebels. They get sent down to the earth. To see if it's um, to see able to survive, yeah. It's habit- to see if habitable. Able to survive. Habitable. I was gonna yeah. say habitable, <laughs> <laughs> but habitable. Yeah. Right. So they sent down all these kids who were teenagers, right? Yeah. Although to- they all look so much old, like the actors are like thirty and twenty. It's like they look so much older than than what they are. Well, yeah. They always cast people that look young but really aren't the age appropriate per se for the show. Usually it's just they're short. <laughs> right, they might be short or really skinny or whatever. Um Yeah. But yeah, I mean this is about like some kind of nuclear thing, I guess a holocaust that happened in on Earth in well, not a, a holocaust. Well, a nuclear a nuclear holocaust, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. So they blew up the Earth. But these group of people built a space station or something and went up uh, into so, space. Right, and they were. And basically... then they found out that there wasn't enough oxygen for them to survive up On the... in space for much longer. Right, their space station started yeah. to malfunction. So they tested. So they're testing young people who do bad things and throw them onto a planet, and kind of in a Lord of the Flies scenario where. The kids turn on each other and try to live, right? And they try to Yeah, like... they're basically all trying to survive. There's a new plot every season, I feel like. <laughs> well, that's good, right? I mean, yeah. it keeps you interested. Yeah, it does. It's just like, you know, like someone, you know, like you have like a feeling like someone's going to die that you love or... Right, so they're killing off main characters. Yeah. That you like. Yep. All right, okay, you know. Um... Which is pretty annoying, but honestly, some of them deserve it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you invest in a character for a while and then you really like them and then, bam, they're <laughs> gone, yeah. you have to find a new character to like, right? But also there are other times where they, like, continuous, like, people almost die. Where they almost die? Yeah, like... Um, yeah, well, that's kind of like a cliffhanger thing, yeah. right? So they... they like mid-season cliffhanger. Right, and that's probably what goes on here. Mid-season cliffhangers, then they kill off some main character, one that you weren't thinking of, or... Exactly. You know, it's like, pretty crazy. sometimes they're so unexpected, like, what happens. Yeah, you know, it's, it's that's good, though. It keeps you going, right? So you like yeah. the show. Yeah, it's really good. Right. I'd recommend it to anyone who um, likes, I guess, apocalypse-themed shows yeah yeah you know <laughs> and it's been going on what season how many seasons are there i think there are six there's six six seasons yeah there's about there's 13 or 16 episodes in each season so so it's like a teen drama in yeah. space and action action and and other people on the habit i guess other other um Earthlings that, are, that yeah. were native to the area and animals and weird stuff that goes on, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty cool. It sounds like a fun show to watch. I mean, like I said, I only went through about... Half of it. Well, yeah, not even, not even you know. No, I went through a season and a half, yeah. So, 
Um, anyway, I, if she recommends it, I thought it was good. I just haven't had the time to watch it. So, um, anyway, uh, I would say go for it and try it out if you have time on Netflix. Yeah. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. See ya. Hey, this is Ty Monk, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to the King of Fun Radio, the official Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. Um, as I mentioned before, we're going to be doing a mini-review, uh, because we have a little time for the show. Uh, I'm going to do things a little bit different. We're going to do two, kind of two movies. Um, one's an oldie and a goodie that I haven't mentioned uh, for quite some time. And the other one is something I just finished watching uh, not too long ago, and it was not neither a goodie or an oldie. So let us start off with um, my recommendation of a awesome movie that came out in 2016. It is on Netflix, so you guys can see it. It's called Hush. What made it interesting is that the description of the movie doesn't know justice. As you well all know, I love things that make sense. Um, this movie was about a deaf woman being stalked by a guy in a cabin in the woods. Now, like I said, that description does not give this movie justice. It's a very interesting, well-acted, well-thought-out movie where everything makes sense. And it has a, a connecting story which where in turn she is being uh, hounded by this guy. It explains why. Um, it's, it has a great um, use of the narrative, great use of the logic of the story. It has great use of the fact that she's deaf. It plays into it, but it's not so much a hindrance as a story uh, developing point. So it actually includes it into the movie. So that's actually kind of cool without... Um, either glorifying it or making it a, a big deal. Um, it has a lot of callbacks. It has a very straightforward plot, beginning, middle, end. It stars uh, what is it? John Gallagher Jr., Kate Siegel, and Michael Trucco, T-R-U-C-C-O. Um, if you like uh, psychological thrillers, it's, uh, it's right up your alley. So basically, it has... Uh, she's a writer, and she's in the cabin, and she winds up through a unique set of circumstances, which I won't go into, uh, keeping the spoilers down to a minimum. Um, this guy is, is after her, for, and his reasoning for that is also pretty well-grounded into reality. Um, like I said, I like things to make sense. I like things to have a good flow. And it was a very small cast, a very small budget movie, but... It, once again, as, as I mentioned recently with a lot of independent films, it has a big budget feel. I could have easily seen this in the theaters with no problem pre-coronavirus, of course, because theater watching is very difficult now. But like I said, it came out in uh, 2016, so it is called Hush. You guys should really check it out. If you like uh, cat and mouse movies, if you like uh, female empowerment movies, um, 
this is for you. If you like movies that make sense, this is for you. And every character wasn't wasted. I, I think there wasn't any minute of footage that was like unnecessary to the plot, but it also has an organic flow to it. So it is something you guys really should check out. I saw this um, back then when it first came out. And what made it interesting is that on uh, Netflix it has a rating system, and it was rated at the time at four stars. And I was like, wow, why is this movie rated four stars with such a crappy premise? But watching the movie, I'm like, oh, that's why. So it's a really good movie. Uh, I think I gave it an honorable mention in one of our shows, but um, uh, for our best of and uh, worst of films of that year. I'm not sure if I did, but I want to make sure I mention it now because you're in quarantine, and that is the time you guys should go check out that movie. Um, on the flip side, which is, is the, the not great movie at all, so it's called Unbelievable with five exclamation points. They made it a point to mention that in the film. We actually mentioned it as a news segment on the show because the trailer, which I really don't see trailers unless I have no idea if I want to see the movie. Um, I saw it and I'm like, wow, it is a who's who of a sci-fi uh, fandom of actors in it. Plus Snoop Dogg and a uh, William Shatner puppet. So the puppet was like the one from uh, Team America. It was that kind of quality. And I thought that just based on that, it looked ridiculous. The budget was like minus $2. But I think that was part of the joke, at least watching the trailer. Um, I did go and wind up watching this movie, which is available on uh, fixtor.to. F-I-X-T-O-R.to. I saw it. And it was a... There's movies that are good, there's movies that are bad, that are so bad that it goes way around to good, but this movie was so bad, it went around to good, and then it went right back around to bad. Um, it had such names as uh, Garrett Wong, uh, Chase Masterson, Tim Russ, uh, Michelle Nichols, Robert Picardo, Michael Dorn, Rita Service, Nana Visitor, Walter Koning, Linda Park, uh, Robert Davi, Michael Madison. It has a huge amount of people in this movie. If you're a sci-fi fan, just seeing all these guys together in a movie should have been an enjoyable experience. I think the problem was is that, I, I mean, just based on the behind-the-scenes uh, stuff, which was at the end, like the, um, the outtakes, obviously they were all having a good time because they knew how stupid the idea was. But when you have a movie this badly done, with this bad special effects on purpose, because that's what it felt like it was, like they did everything on purpose, there needs to be a counterbalance and I don't think there was any. There wasn't, the, the editing was terrible, the special effects were terrible, the acting was over the top, but like I said, I believe all that was on purpose. There was one part which was really funny, where they had like a broom taped to a flashlight, and uh, Chase Masters like, oh my god, let's use the laser, and Tim Russ walks in front of a flashlight, and she's like, oh my god, you're going to get burned by the laser, and he's like, oh. So like, they're all in on the joke, and I think that's part of the problem. Like, when you have a movie of this type, it has to be played serious because if they if you're watching a joke and everybody's in on a joke, it seems like it was just missing something, like they were trying too hard. And I haven't seen a movie this bad for a long time. It was, it was just painful to watch. It was extremely painful to watch and it had such great potential. So it's like if you have all these combinations and then you just drop the ball. So there has to be some type of narrative, at least, and it wasn't even that. 
So if you think of movies like um, Naked Gun or Airplane, they play it serious. They have an actual story, and there's funny stuff happening around them, and that makes it funny. That, in my mind, uh, makes it entertaining. So this one, there really wasn't a narrative. The the I well, I mean, the story is um, there are astronauts who go into space to f go to the moon to find out what's going on, and in the same time, there are plant uh, aliens coming to take over the Earth, run by Snoop Dogg, and that it it could it, it has so much potential. That's all I can say. This movie had so much potential, and it was terrible. So. I say avoid this movie at all costs, despite the fact that you might think you're going to like this movie. You really won't. I don't see how anybody could have enjoyed watching this movie. It might have been fun to make. It might have been fun just hanging out. It was like some guy bought rented a house and got all his friends together to make a movie. Like, like that's how the quality of the movie was. So it didn't have any quality. The special effects were terrible. But like I said, it's... The fact that it was supposed to be that way, at least I hope it was supposed to be that way, because if it wasn't, that makes it even more worse. But I hope uh, they were trying to go for a certain uh, jokey type thing. The closest thing I can get to this is um, like when they did the, uh, the scary movies or the epic movies. Like In the beginning, they had a story and it was funny, but then as they went along... When the, the two other guys took over from the Williams Brothers and they made epic movie, they made war movie, they made romance movie. They just take like pop culture references, slap them in there and try to make it funny. It's like they're trying too hard and it's not entertaining at all. I still don't have any idea how they're getting money to make these movies. But this one, it was the science fiction version of that. And like I said, they had tons of sci-fi guys. They had John Billingsley, they had Armin Schurman, Olivia Dabo, uh, Dina Meyer, um... They had uh, the, the um, Gilbert Godfrey shows up because he's Gilbert Godfrey. He has to be in everything. Like Sharknado. Like Sharknado is so bad, it goes around to being good. That's that's just one of those things. But this, it was just so so painfully hurtful. So it actually was interesting. The the uh, the the two different lines from the movie Hutch was a really good independent low film, a uh, low budget film. Uh, small cast, great acting, focused on story, a lot of callbacks, it's very engaging. And then this movie, Unbelievable, which really was unbelievable. So do you have an idea what to go see? And now you know where you can see them. One, like I said, one is on uh, uh, Netflix, and the other one is on Flixtor, F-L-I-X-T-O-R.T-O. And I still say, please do not watch this movie. So uh, with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with It Came From The Radio. What's up, guys? This is Kari Payton, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. So keep listening. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My comic book pick of the week. (laughs) 
Obviously, that music, everyone knows what it is. Everyone's heard it. It's the Superman March written by written and composed by John Williams for Superman the movie. And in my opinion, one of the best superhero themes ever, ever made. And quite frankly, I think Man of Steel and the other super uh, Henry Cavill Supermans, even um, Superman Returns would have been better if they used that theme more often. But we're not here to talk about Superman today. No, today I am here to give you my pick, and my pick is Huck by Mark Millar. The reason why I use that uh, music, though, is because essentially this is a Superman story. This is a Mark Millar Superman story um, done for Image Comics. So, without further ado, let me first explain to you who Mark Millar is, and then tell you more about the comic itself. According to Wikipedia, Mark Millar is a Scottish comic book writer. I've hit listened to the man speak. He is definitely Scottish. Known for his work on The Authority, The Ultimates, Marvel Knights, Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Civil War, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Wanted, Chrononauts, Superior, and several other comics, of course. His DC Comics work include Superman Red Sun. If you don't know what that is, that's Superman if he were raised in Soviet Russia. At Marvel Com, he came up with that, by the way, like the age of 13. I wish I had such great ideas at 13. At Marvel Comics, he created The Ultimates, selected by Time Magazine as the comic book of the decade. I love reading The Ultimates. I love reading The Ultimate line, and I really enjoy The Ultimates. And that's the reason why uh, Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury, by the way, because of The Ultimates. And described by screenwriter Zach Penn as a major inspiration for the Avengers movie. Told you. Millar also created Wolverine, Old Man Logan, and Civil War, two of Marvel's biggest-selling graphic novels. The Civil War crossover storyline was the basis for Captain America Civil War film, and Old Man Logan was the inspiration for Fox's Logan film. Millar has been an executive producer on all of his films, and for four years worked as a creative consultant to Fox Studios on their Marvel slate of films. In 2017, Netflix bought Millar's comic line, Millar World, which Millar and his wife Lucy will continue to run, publishing new comics and adapting them for other media. So, needless to say, this man is one of the big giants right now in comics, and his work is very good, in my opinion. I really like it. I really love his work a lot. Now, getting to the specifics of Huck. According to Image Comics' website, and that's the publisher, and you can easily get this book just going there. In a quiet seaside town, Huck uses his special gifts to do a good deed each day. His neighbors return the favors by keeping his abilities a secret. But when a newcomer alerts the media, a firestorm erupts, sending Huck on an adventure that will change everything. I.e., small town farm boy just looking to do good. Like I said... This is a Superman movie. Uh, Sorry, this is a Superman comic, just not done for DC. And in case you just needed a little bit more of a confirmation, this is Mark Millar speaking about why he wrote it. This comes from comicbookresource.com. Summer 2013, as I sat there on Father's Day and saw Superman beating the bad guy by twisting his neck so hard he broke it and murdered him, I really wondered if we'd come to the end of that particular road, recalling his experience watching Man of Steel. 
Now, I got the logic of the scene, and it absolutely made sense within the context of the movie as the villain had taken down half of Metropolis and killed hundreds of thousands of people. But even so, this was Superman. This was like seeing Sylvester the Cat finally getting his hands on Speedy Gonzales, Elmer Fudd blowing away Bugs Bunny. I loved Superman as a kid, not because of his edginess or his potential for a fatal solution, but because he could do anything he wanted and still chose to be nice. This was always the moral of a superhero comic to me. This moment, as Millar describes, caused him to reflect on the nature of superheroes and their origin in the Great Depression when they were created to lift our spirits in the darkest times. With artist Raphael Albuquerque, Millar created a new superhero in the vein of Jimmy Stewart, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg. Imagine a town with a unique secret, a gas station attendant with special abilities who does one good good deed every day, said Millar of Huck. This can be as small as finding a lost necklace or as enormous as rescuing hostages in Afghanistan, but the world doesn't know he exists and the locals in the town aim to keep it that way. Millar concludes that he hopes Huck will remind audiences that they didn't dress up as these characters as kids because they were so miserable and bad to the bone and violent and cruel he adds that he thinks audiences are hungry for uplifting heroes and says Huck is the antidote to the anti-hero and it's going to be an interesting experiment this week. That's exactly what this book is. Now this book came out in 2017 so it's definitely you can definitely get it as a graphic novel which is going to be very easy for you to find. Um, you can uh, obviously get it on Amazon, you can get it on Image. It's, it's very simple and very easy to get. It is definitely an uplifting book. It's a very fast read, too. It's very visual. There's not uh, a whole lot of narration or uh, dialogue in the book, which I'm perfectly fine with. If you need a quick shot in the arm of just feel-goodness and hope, then I really do recommend that you pick up Huck. Now, I'm guessing because he's a Scotsman and he does love, as he said, Americana, he named the main character Huck, as in, like, Huckleberry Finn, and there's another character in there who supposedly is his brother named Tom, i.e. Tom Sawyer. That's my just that's just my guess. Um, but I love it when our, uh, writers do like little uh, literary cues and things like that. Um, it is, like I said, very much in the Superman vein. A little Captain America too. The character is blonde hair, blue eyed, big dude. So you could easily see him being Captain America. Um, but with superpowers. kind of reminds me of back in the 90s when they did the Amalgam Universe and they merged uh, Captain America and uh, Superman together to create a, a unique character. Um, but he is exactly what I've just told you, this character, Huck. Just a simple guy wanting to do nice things, just to be kind. We could use more of that in the world, I suppose, right now. Lord knows I could use that a little bit more in my life. Um, this was the book I needed to be reading at the moment. And if you're having a, t a really tough time out there, and who isn't right now, I do recommend you pick it up. Uh, it currently is available on Amazon for Kindle or Comixology at $10.99, uh, paperback $11.73. Very affordable in my opinion. It's good for all ages. There is a little bit of violence, but nothing worse than any other comic book. There's really no foul language of any kind. The subject matter, like I said, is pretty uplifting and 
really quite PG, PG-13 rated, um, I would have no problem reading, having like a, a 10-year-old read this at all. It's definitely on the lighter side for, for Mark Millar, but it's nice. And, you know, I don't want to be condescending about it, that it is just a nice little book, but it really is. It's really nice. It really is comforting. And I certainly believe that right now everyone could use a little, like, comfort food reading with what's going on in the world today. So that's this week's pick of the week, Huck by Mark Millar. I definitely recommend you go get it either digitally or have it shipped to you via Amazon. Go to Image Comics, buy it from them directly as well. There's no, there's no greater independent comic book force out there than Image Comics. So check it out, Huck by Mark Millar. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can come a Patreon of the comic it's only one dollar a month it's the least expensive patreon out there i promise you that also please go and check out prontocomics.com we have plenty of comics for download and always remember logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one so be safe and be healthy take care Hey, I'm Mike Kingston, the writer and creator of Headlocked. And I am WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And guess what you're listening to? You're listening to It Came From The Radio! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show... Then you can thank your lucky stars for not losing an hour of your life. Go to radio.com. Listen to your archives, which will be up in a week or so. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a YouTube page. Also, check us out on btdradio.com. And we'll see you next week. And remember, if you're not laughing, you're not living. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.